Amen. Well, praise God. I, I still want to say something before I pray. How about that? Well, when, he, when, he, when she said, think back to when you were 18, you know, that's a long way back. And it's longer for some of you all than it is for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's lift our hearts to the Lord. Father, we just thank you so much for your grace, your love, and your presence today. We pray, God, for hearts that are pliable and receptive to your word. We pray, God, that we would receive the truth and actually live out the truth. We pray that our lives would be light individually in the places that we go, and we pray that this local assembly would be a light in this community. Bless the pastor and give him strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are uh, we're going to suspend our series this week. We've been going through the book of James, uh, but I felt this week that we should put that on hold. James, will st- he was, he, he's been here for 2,000 years, and he'll be here next week. Um, we'll get back into the book of James next week. But I wanted to just uh, take some time and have a family discussion about the events uh, that took place in Ferguson this week and, um, and that are continuing to take place. I want to have a, a candid family talk about the shooting death of Michael Brown, uh, about the backlash, and then how are we as believers as brothers and sisters in Christ, how are we called to respond in times like these? And I want to start with two scriptures. The first one is from Ephesians, and it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That means that God's got it covered, is what that means. And I also want to read you Psalm 133, which says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Um, I, want, I want you to just take a few moments as we talk today. Open your hearts. Um, we're, gonna, we're going to, as a community, walk through, talk through, and work through some of the things that have gone on. Um, And I believe that God can use us as a community to be a bridge and a light in a time of trouble. Um, I got to tell you, I have been struggling with this whole issue all week, um, trying to think about it and pray about it and work through it. And um, and I believe that what I have to say to you today is is uh, grounded and rooted in the vision that God gives us in his scripture uh, I may not get it all exactly right today. I ask for your grace. Um, but I think that by the grace of God, we're going to walk through all of this together. We're going to be stronger. We're going to make our world stronger. We're going to be a light and a beacon and a shining, shining example on a hill of what God means when he says that he brings together all nations, all tribes, and all tongues to worship him. As you know, there's a, a great deal of explicit and implicit fear misunderstanding, suspicion, and anger in our city and across our country this week. And when you read the newspaper accounts and the Twitter feeds and the Facebook posts and the various articles and, and, uh, about the shooting and about the various 
uh, responses to the shooting, you quickly see uh, that people seem to be talking past each other. Many appear to be tone deaf to the concerns, frustrations, and exasperation of others who see this incident through lenses different from their own. Obviously, we don't know all of the facts about what happened on the afternoon of August 9th, 2014 in Ferguson, but the facts that we do know are deeply troubling and should cause all of us to pause and to deeply consider the state of our hearts as a community, as a nation, and as a world. And whether we like to acknowledge it or not, there remains a deep and festering racial tension among many in our city. And much of that boiled over this week. Some would like to divorce the events of this week from the issue of race altogether. And I pray that someday we will be able to do that. That the issue of race would simply not be a factor of concern in our country anymore. But unfortunately, that day has not yet come. And sadly, churches in our city and across America have largely failed to alleviate and remedy that tension. In fact, churches generally have provided additional evidence of the racial divide in our country. It's been said that Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America. So how are people of God supposed to respond to issues like the ones we've seen this week when most people of God are not living in genuine community with people that don't look like them? How can God's people ever truly understand one another unless they're actually talking to one another, worshiping with each other, eating together, laughing together, grieving together, praying together, and living out God's mission together in deep and powerful ways? I drove up to Ferguson on Thursday morning, and I just spent some time up there walking around, talking to people, trying to get some sense of what to do and what to think and what to feel about the situation. And because of my appearance, my olive skin and my dark curly hair, I have always been able to move easily among all kinds of people. (laughs) The most common question my wife gets when she shows someone a picture of us is, what is he? Recently, the wife of one of my good friends who is African-American gave me the title of racially ambiguous. (laughs) When I'm with a group of black friends, some people just assume that I'm part African-American. When I'm with a group of white friends, I usually don't stick out enough for people to take notice. When I lived in Los Angeles, people assumed I was Hispanic. In fact, I was once stopped outside of my house by four Los Angeles police officers because I apparently fit the description of someone who had just committed a crime in my neighborhood. And when I asked what description I fit, the officer replied, Hispanic male, goatee, dark shirt. (laughs) When I was traveling abroad in Greece, Italy, and Turkey, people stopped me in all three places to ask for directions. For the record, my mother is of Cherokee and Irish descent. My father was at least partly of German ancestry. Um, There are a few missing pieces to that part of the family tree, which has led to some speculation. But I seem to fit in pretty much everywhere I go. And by that diversity, that blended multi-ethnic background, I've been able to move easily in many circles. I've gotten to know people from wildly different 
backgrounds uh, and walks of life. And I've got to experience deep and meaningful relationships with people of every color and every creed. So for me, the diversity of my heritage has actually been a blessing. And on my way home from Ferguson this week, I prayed, God, give me wisdom to lead our church. Give me wisdom so that we can be a source of light, a source of hope, a source of justice, and a source of peace in this chaotic time. And it was during prayer and several conversations with others that it occurred to me that you city family church by virtue of our diversity and our blended multi-ethnic makeup is uniquely positioned in a city like St. Louis to participate in bridging the racial divide that is so very palpable and so very raw at a time like this. In other words, just as my blended appearance and background allows me to be part of diverse conversations, we as a congregation of people from many backgrounds also have the opportunity to speak into the lives of a diverse population around our city and to bring hope for a better way, a deeper understanding, a greater unity, and a lasting peace. In fact, I believe that God has destined us for such a time as this. I believe God wants to use the unique mix and blend of members in our congregation to bring both healing and moral leadership where it is so desperately needed. We are a multiracial church in a city that is often divided along racial lines. We are part of a loving gospel community of men and women from diverse and various backgrounds, black, brown, white, Asian, Native American, and others who have been transformed and empowered by the Spirit of God. But this unique quality that we enjoy as an assembly also places upon us a heightened responsibility in a time like this. We are blessed by our diversity, but our diversity must not simply become a novelty that we take for granted. It is not, we must be careful that it does not simply become a comfort that we savor. Rather, God has brought us together from different walks of life, different ethnic heritages, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different levels of education, different sexes, different ages, that we might display his vision of bringing together every tongue, every tribe, and every people to unite in praise of the one who fashioned all of us in his likeness. I believe that he has raised us up as a congregation that he might reveal his vision of a world where brothers and sisters from every walk of life live together in unity. Behold, he said, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Anybody with me so far? All right. I hear my wife amening me back there. Mother Ray's giving me some amen, so really that's all I need. Just kidding. <laughs> Because we do, we do have an enemy, but that enemy is not white and that enemy is not black. In fact, that enemy is not of flesh and blood at all. That enemy is the spiritual darkness that, that lurks in the hidden recesses of the hearts of every man, woman, and child and has done so since the garden. The enemy is the hate, the fear, 
the greed, the corruption, the lust, the envy, the wrath that all of us harbor to some degree or other in our hearts. But just as we have an enemy, we also have the power to overcome that enemy. A power that is stronger than death. A power that is mightier than the grave. A power that can overthrow a thousand chariots or a thousand tanks. We have the power of the love of God who is no respecter of persons, but who was willing to send his own son to be hung on a tree to shed his blood so that you and I and men and women from every nation, tongue, and tribe might be emancipated from the slavery of our sin, the enemy of our soul, that we might walk freely with our heads held high and with strength in our step, full of vigor, full of power, full of peace, that we may spread into every corner of our world and bring hope to the hopeless, justice to the helpless, courage to the fearful, and rest to the weary. This is who we are. And this is what we are called to be. When tragedies like this one occur, we are called to put our faith into action, to seek justice, to bring peace, and to demonstrate our true identity by our love for one another. As Christians who care deeply about the world that God has entrusted to us, we have three major responsibilities at a time like this. Number one, we must first look up. We must turn to God and pray that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We must pray for justice, peace, and unity. And we must pray for every single person involved in the tragic circumstances of this week. Now here's where the gospel calls us to radical obedience because we're called to love without discrimination. That means no matter how we view the tragedy of this week, we're called to love everyone involved. We're called to love those with whom we disagree and those we may not understand. That means we pray for the family of Michael Brown. We pray for Darren Wilson, the officer who shot Michael Brown. We pray for the peaceful protesters. We pray for the officers on the ground. We pray for the looters and the vandals. We pray for the citizens of Ferguson, some of whom attend this church. We do not discriminate in our love. We pray for them all. We see all of them, every single one of them, as a child of God in need of God's love and mercy. If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to follow him where it hurts. Number two, we must look in. We must examine our own priorities, our own biases, our own prejudices, our own suspicions, our own sins, our own shortcomings. We do this not to condemn ourselves, but that we might root out any hidden weed growing in our heart that threatens to choke the seed of God's budding grace. This may require uncomfortable conversations. This may mean we listen to someone with whom we don't agree in effort to get a better understanding of their view. This may mean at times we remain silent as we allow God to reveal his truth to us. This may mean that we lower our guard and let others speak into our lives in ways that are disagreeable and unpleasant to us. For some, it means we exercise both forgiveness and repentance. A friend of mine wrote to me this week and said that repentance requires a kind of humility that breaks down barriers. 
Reconciliation involves hard conversations and challenges and risks. It involves recognition of one's own privilege, pride, self-righteousness, insecurities, biases, and judgments. It involves a willingness to confess them all. Looking within is not easy because each and every one of us will find things in there that we're not proud of. We'll all find attitudes and thoughts and feelings that we don't want exposed. But if we truly want to move forward in God's vision, we need to know what kind of baggage we're carrying along the way. And number three, we must look out. We cannot fix the brokenness in our city today. And we cannot fix it this week. We cannot fix it this year. And yet as believers, especially as a diverse body of believers, we are called to be a healing balm on the wounds of our city. And we're also called to be a voice of moral leadership. We are called by God's grace to stand for unity, to stand for a radical kind of love that motivates us to dive into the brokenness and the sin and the pain in our communities and to bring the light of Christ into those dark and lonely places. We at U City Family Church stand upon the radical truth of the Bible that says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is no slave nor free, no male nor female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are one people called by one name under one God with one mission in life to bring good tidings unto the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim God's grace and God's justice, to comfort those who mourn, to bring beauty for ashes, joy for grief, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we might empower the men and women of our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that God may be glorified. There's no magic pill that's going to turn our world around, but there's the power of loving one person at a time, serving one person at a time, opening up with one person at a time. And little by little, through God's grace, we change our world. Reach out in the coming weeks to someone in our congregation that looks different than you. Take the risk of getting to know somebody new. It may turn out that the relationship goes nowhere or you may have met your best friend. But either way, you're going to grow, you're going to learn, and you're going to move a little closer to the person that God wants you to be. Get involved in a life group when they start up in the fall. Get to know people. Become involved in the community. Get involved in a community outreach life group or a mentoring life group or start your own. Get involved with one of the nonprofits that we support, Kingdom House or Operation Food Search or Father Support Center or Art City Defenders. But do something. Be part of the solution. Because if there has ever been a time to pray for our city, it's now. Yes. If there's ever been a time to demonstrate the love of Christ to our community, it's now. If there has ever been a time to check our priorities, it's now. If there's ever been a time to reach out to others, it's now. 
If we are really the embodiment of Jesus Christ on the earth, now is the time to bring healing, justice, mercy, and peace to our broken city and our broken world. Now is the time to put faith into action. By God's grace, let you City Family Church be a light on a hill, a beacon of hope, the hands and the feet of a loving Savior who gave his life as a ransom so that the whole world might be saved. Amen. If something about this situation doesn't touch you in some way, then I'm going to call you to repentance. We've got a lot of work to do, guys. I want our, our, uh, our trustees and our elder nominees and our team leaders to come up, come up here with me. Those who are coming in to, to become trustees and, and those are existing trustees and those who have been nominated as elders and also all of our team leaders, I'd ask all of you guys to come up. Come on up. Come on, come on up here. Come on up, everybody. What's the matter, Craig? You can't get up here, man. <laughs> Come on up, everybody. Craig, you don't have... You, <laughs> you're good right there. You guys, you are the most fortunate congregation on the planet because of these people right here. Amen. It's true. I'm telling you. This group of people are committed to God they're committed to you and they're committed to bringing healing and peace and justice to our world by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am honored to be a part of this team and I'm honored to be a part of this church and I'm excited about what God is going to do through us here in this world, in this nation. I believe that we are called for this purpose. I believe that we're uniquely situated for this purpose to reach out and bring God's vision of who he is and his kingdom to the earth. That's what I believe we are called to do. I'd like all of us just to stand for a minute. And we don't normally do this. We're not that touchy-feely, but reach out and, and hold somebody's hand or put your hand on their shoulder. And what I want to do today is I want to, all of us together to pray the Lord's Prayer and to just open up our hearts and to ask God to come, to come in. So let's all bow our heads and pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name. Let come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And to temptation but deliver us from evil. Thine is the glory forever. Amen. Amen.
Heavenly Father, we ask that you come right now. Let your spirit fall upon us. Be with every single one of us here today, God. Be a balm of healing, not only in our hearts, but in the hearts of those people that we touch in our homes, in our schools, in our offices. God, on the street of the young men and women in Ferguson, of every single person involved in the incident, God, we ask that you just be with us today. We ask that your strength flow out of us and that you bring power and healing and righteousness and justice and peace, God, to our nation and to our world. Heal us today, Father God. Help us to be a strength and a balm. Help us to lead our country, God, and be a light. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.